Welcome to The Hoodoo Factory, a game show and discussion podcast about the 90s NBC sitcom classic, News Radio. We will be drafting News Radio episodes into units with a common theme. In part A of the podcast, we will host a game show based on our drafted episodes. The contestants will compete for ABSA points in hopes of being declared the ABSA winner. In part B of the podcast, we will discuss the episode in greater detail. We are three dorks who prefer the term news radiologists who decided to use Twitter and podcasting for good instead of pure evil. Hello, WNYXicans. I'm Space Lauren, and I will be today's host. I'm here with Space Tom. Gazizza. And Space Thaddeus. Hello, 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 hello. (laughs) (laughs) This episode, Space, is the first episode in our Everything, Everywhere, All at WNYX unit of episodes. And now I'm going to kick it off with our Agent Zero, pew pew, plot synopsis. Space was season three, episode 24. It originally aired on May 21st, 1997, which was a Wednesday. WNYX is reimagined on a futuristic space station, reporting the news from outer space. Dave and Lisa are discussing the prospect of finally moving in together after 98 years, but they're having trouble deciding whose space pod to move into. Joe is brought out of hypersleep after 83 years in order to fix the reactor core. However, due to changes in technology while he was asleep, he struggles to complete his task. Due to budget constrictions, Jimmy wants to put either Catherine or Bill into hypersleep for 50 or 60 years, but the two of them can't decide who it should be. It turns out the decision will be made for them when Joe fails to fix the reactor core and everyone but Bill and Matthew have to go into hypersleep or face certain death. Now, we've set up a few categories and games, and I, as the Alpha Centauri robot overlord, or I mean host, will bestow (laughs) arbitrary absa points on the contestants if I deem their answers and arguments worthy. At the end of part A, I will award one oxygen-dependent contestant our episode's absa award for excellence in this podcast, while the other gets put in suspended animation for 50 or 60 years. (laughs) So, let's get started with round one, absa fever. And first category is, uh, what scene would you show to a new person? And Tom, you're going to be up first. Well, I'd just like to say that the joke's on you because I've been off oxygen for like three months now. So, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see. I'm going to pick for the the scene that I would show somebody. uh, Because the rest of it would be very confusing without it, I would show them the the cold open with Bill Hartman explaining exactly what it is i think it's a really funny um bit of banter that he you know he does to the it's a um to the camera so uh that's the one i would go with um that i love the many of these questions will be um brought up or, or raised and dismissed that's, like, that's <laughs> one of my favorite things. answered or raised and dismissed is, is great so yeah, that's the one i'm going with okay good choice and, uh, and you're right. I mean, it, the, the rest of the episode would be very confusing without it. So <laughs> I'll give you that. Um, okay, Thad, what's your first scene that you want to show to a new person? Uh, well, first, I'd like to welcome our, our new robot overlords and <laughs> tell them that very, very helpful in their future plans for this planet. <laughs> um, the first scene that I would show somebody is actually going to be the last scene. Um, the last scene of the episode with everybody together going into the hypersleep. Um, you know, it goes around and you get a little slice of everybody. So everybody gets a a cool little joke. Uh, you get to see all the characterization. You know, if you don't know the show, you come in, you get a little feel for each character and you know what they're kind of all about. And then obviously it ends on a a great joke, great scene between Bill and Matthew and, and how they, uh, are going to start repopulating the human race. So (laughs) I, I think that's the one that a new person would enjoy. That's a good one too. And yeah, you get the full cast involvement there. That's that's a nice touch. Okay, Tom, what's your second scene that you want to show to a new person? Uh, I think it'd be right after the cold uh, the cold open in the credits um, with uh, Dave, Lisa, and Beth in, in the office. Um, kind of sets everything up. You get a couple of space-related jokes in there. Um, and, and 
of course the technology is faulty and <laughs> which is setting up the, the larger <laughs> plot of of uh it, the space station being problematic so that's the one that's that is good yeah we get that staticky beth in that mm-hmm. scene <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the uncooperative door okay <laughs> all right then what's your second scene you're going to show to a new person um mine is going to be dave and jimmy looking at the budget in vr <laughs> um number one the vr goggles allowed them to mime the whole scene you know, so they are literally just miming it. You know, Jimmy goes the extra mile, of course, at the end. Uh, but I also think it's really funny because basically they just made it digital paper. That's the upgrade of the future. Yeah. It's not a computer. It's not this and that. It's just digital paper. You know, and so it's just either way, when you see people mime, you know, that's really funny. And then again, you get the, the Jimmy and Dave back and forth and, you know, a pretty good joke to land it. I think that's a great scene for somebody to watch. <laughs> They got VR budgets, but the headsets still have wires. Like they couldn't, yes, they couldn't imagine wireless that. headsets. Yeah, That's just right. unrealistic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. That's this is we're already starting off. This is really hard for me to judge. Um, I think I'm going to give that one to Tom. Um, mainly because that that cold open is just it's so unique you know i guess we get it in titanic or the the sinking ship episode but um seeing seeing phil hartman play a character of himself sort of like that and and you make a good point that without that a new person really would have no idea what was going on i think even regular fans had no idea what was going on (laughs) (laughs) so i think you're just barely gonna edge out that on that one okay we're going to move on to what quote is most usable or you want to use in real life. And Thad, you're up first. And you look like you're thinking really hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, <laughs> like I got some solid ones. But I'm going to go with the one that I probably will use in real life, most likely anyway, is, well, this is bad news. <laughs> You know, again, mostly on the pronunciation, obviously coming from Dave, but you know, anytime you get something that just doesn't go your way, the dramatic pause and the emphasis on bad news, I think, makes it great. You know, just any, just about any situation. So I'm, I'm going to use that one. That's that was high on my list. That's that a really was, great that line. Was, that was my number one. That was great. Okay, number, yeah. yes. good choice. Um, okay, Tom. Now that your answer has been stolen, what is your most usable quote or the quote you want to use in real life? Um, <laughs> it only looks like crap. It's actually quite flavorless. <laughs> <laughs> just just any, to add anything that, that maybe looks a little messy as far as food goes, you know, well, it only looks like crap. It's actually quite flavorless. That's a good one. Um, that was also on my list. <laughs> um, okay, Thad, what's your second quote? All right. Uh, my second quote is going to be, technology is just a bunch of wires connected to a bunch of other wires. <laughs> and then I'm going to follow up with some sort of wire joke that's obviously appropriate. I can't find the wires. Where are the wires? <laughs> you know, something like that. You know, so so anytime you're stumped. Dude, have you have you said that VCR clock yet? Like, ah, technology. It's just a bunch of wires could other wires though. Where are these wires? <laughs> you know, I, I can't seem to find any wires. Right. You know, I think in today's computer age, this one has, uh, you know, extra, extra um, opportunities to be used. So that is going to be the second one that I'll use. Especially since, because unlike WNYX, the world has kind of gone wireless in, in many forms <laughs> mm-hmm. of technology. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, Tom, what's your second quote? Okay, uh, this this actually is one that I, I mean I think it's they based it because people have used this over time and I've definitely used it. But uh, what are these things trees that you speak of? Although I would probably switch it so that it would be grammatically correct without a preposition at the end. But <laughs> what are these things trees of which you speak? But it, it, basically, you can swap out trees for just about anything. You know, like anything that's that's older that people haven't you know like a rotary phone or phone booth or something like that just that that kind of thing cds tapes (laughs) all all those things that we used to use used to (laughs) 
It's been it's a while. Guns since... and Roses the other day. <laughs> it's just been a while since I've listened to it on CD. It's like all streaming now. So very true. Very is true. that that? Are you still making mixtapes? <laughs> <laughs> I moved up to mix CDs, Lauren. Mix CDs. Someday okay. I hope to make playlists for this digital cloud <laughs> stuff that everybody's talking about. <laughs> all right. Um, I'm going to give that one to Thad, um, that, uh, this is bad news quote. I mean, it doesn't get much better (laughs) than that, right? I mean, honestly, Dave could have used that in any episode. It didn't even have to be this (laughs) episode. Can you picture him saying that in almost every single episode? (laughs) It's the, it's the pause. This is is bad news. (laughs) Okay. Now we're going to move on to what gag or bit had the biggest impact on the episode. And Tom, you're up first. I think it's the placement of the word space in front of basically everything. (laughs) Um, Space dollars, space news, uh, space heater. (laughs) That's That's the one I was looking for. That that is, I mean, I... It it seems like that joke is why they even did the thing in the first place. They just wanted to be able to make it a space heater joke in in a space environment. So, yeah. Yeah, that was my number one, too. I had space dollars, space hell, space pliers, space credits, and space taki. Yes, that's what I was looking for. Governor space taki. So I was like, yeah, that's the gag. Okay, Thad, now that your answer has been stolen, what do you think is the, the gag or bit that had the biggest impact on the episode? Yeah, that was a clear number one. <laughs> um, so I'm actually going to go with Catherine reading the Death Star news. Uh, because it, it kind of is what solidifies the episode for me. Like, again, especially in the 90s, before all the prequels, and or, you know, maybe around the time of the prequels, uh, I don't remember when the first one came out, but... Uh, like that was so pop culture that everybody got the reference and by doing it in the different format, especially putting like a star date in front of it and then switching it over <laughs> into that, uh, like an actual news, you know, news anchor would actually read. So, um, I, I thought that joke really kind of like at that point I settled in and I was definitely along for the rest of the ride. You know? <laughs> I was like, that's the joke. And the way they're like reading the news with a, a bias, you know, she's definitely yeah. siding with the empire. <laughs> yeah. This right. is this is yeah. Space Fox News. This yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to give that one to Tom. I mean, yeah. it's hard to say that the space stuff didn't have the biggest impact on the episode called Space. <laughs> right? Unfortunately true. Okay. Moving on. Um... Now we're going to go on to the coolest detail or the nice adequate touch. And Thad, you're up first on this one. All right. So what I think is the coolest detail is that when Joe and Beth go to the newsstand, Joe speaks alien, but Beth does not. (laughs) Beth has to ask Joe to ask for the gum and Joe translates and asks for the gum. So I thought that was a, a nice little detail that Joe does speak alien in this episode. Um, and it's not something everybody knows is very common because Beth doesn't. That's really good. I didn't think of that. You know, when she invited him, what was she going to do if he mm-hmm. didn't want to go? I don't know. Just point, I guess. Point and I guess. gesticulate. Yeah. <laughs> do the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice touch. Okay, Tom, what's your most uh, adequate touch? Uh, for me, it's the the music um, over the credits. How they just change the opening and they just add that little kind of theremin type of uh, thing where it just sounds kind of spacey. Um, mm. I just thought that that detail, like that they they would go in and change it just for this one episode, is that that was pretty cool. Yeah, I thought that was really cool, and I I feel like every time I watch it, I kind of forget that that's coming, and so it's always like a nice little surprise, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely didn't see it coming the first time. I was like, oh, right. I was like, oh, oh yeah. cool. Yeah. I should have done this more. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I think I'm going to give that one to Tom just because the music thing was was on my list. Ooh. I had I had not even thought about the, the <laughs> I get it. alien thing, though. Um, oh, that's that's really interesting. All right. Now we're moving into some questions. We're going to go on to our best episode enigma. All right, Tom. What is your best episode enigma? Okay. 
Why are there openable windows on a space station? <laughs> <laughs> Why are these things not locked out? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Someone should have sealed those up. This is From the outside. Thing. Obviously, Joe designed the spacecraft because it's riddled with flaws. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't come up with that space duct tape yet <laughs> to seal it shut. Just regular duct tape. <laughs> Just doesn't do it. <laughs> okay good question all right thad what is your best episode enigma okay did joe affect the core reactor situation at all or did it happen the way it would have if nobody touched it at all mm. he he pulls one one little circuit board out and gets the announcement he hits it the announcement goes off that circuit board could have been to the clock we don't know what that was about <laughs> Right. So all I see him do is hit it with a hammer. So if he hadn't touched it at all, would we have gotten to the same result? That's my question. Yeah. He might have he might have done nothing at all. He might have made it worse. Right. He might have made it better. Maybe it might have forestalled it a little bit. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, we But we don't all we know. do is see him hit it with a hammer. <laughs> That's it. Or pliers, I'm sorry. He hits it with the pliers, then he hits it with a hammer. Yeah, the regular pliers. <laughs> Not the space pliers. <laughs> But Joe's so, answer to everything still seems to be, re- regardless of what time he's in, is the Fonzie technique. I'm just going to hit it real hard with something. <laughs> Technology. Uh, those are both really good questions. Um, I think I'm going to give that one to Thad, because I really, there are so many options there. And the windows, it's also like, I mean, it kind of, that just kind of speaks to the larger question of like, why is their space station still just an office building? <laughs> right? Like, and not even the office building that they were in. No. I've got thoughts. <laughs> Don't worry. I've got thoughts. <clears throat> okay. All right. Moving on to the Bill, I stole your cane keepsake. And uh, Thad, you're up first. So... What is a keepsake? What's your number one keepsake you want from this episode? Definitely the robes, Lauren. The robes. No question. The cushy robes with a nice patch on them. Like, they looked comfortable. I assume they sleeping for 50 years or so in them. Mm-hmm. In those, in those hypersleep chambers. Like, definitely getting me one of those robes. That was, that was a nice robe. Yeah. That was, that was high on my list as well. <laughs> and with the WNYX logo, comforts. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Luxury goods. <laughs> okay, Tom, what's your number one keepsake from this episode? I think it's got to be um, Catherine's spacesuit. Like the one that looks like a legitimate NASA spacesuit. <laughs> like that, that I liked. Um, not, the, not the jumper, but the, like the... The, the one where she comes off the elevator and yeah, um, with her lunch oh, with the, from the, the new the, lunch, the place. nozzles and all that stuff. Like that's that's pretty cool. I like that. Um, Something so. just hilarious about her standing there, being mad at Hollow Jimmy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in that giant yeah. suit. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great image. That was a very cool and very detailed suit. Yeah, that's a good choice. Okay, Thad, what's your second keepsake? I'm going to go with Dave's office chair with the beverage transporter. Mm. It looked like it was a super comfortable chair. It swiveled a little bit, I think. Had some controls on it. But that beverage transporter, that seems like it's a winner, especially for my Dave cave. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, that's pretty amazing. Just, Beth, can I get a cup of coffee? And it just appears. I mean. Mm -hmm. Right. And even if it's like we're talking the prop, you know, not it, it doesn't actually function. It's still a nice place to set your drink. Oh, yeah. Right? Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Tom, what's your second keepsake? Uh, my second keepsake is going to be Phil Hartman's um, like high chair, like his actor chair, you know, that he does in the cold yes. open and in the good outro. One. Yes. I, I, That's I, a I good like one. that chair. I could, I could put that on my deck. Um, and know that it's phil hartman's it might even have his name on it it did have his name <laughs> yeah, on it in so. a nice font yeah right. that was a nice chair yeah uh, <laughs> oh man 
Okay, I'm gonna score this one a tie because I really the the robe and the chair they were like tied on my list for number one. Like I couldn't choose myself between the two. <laughs> so you guys you guys picked my two number one answers. <laughs> so that one's gonna be a tie. Bringing us to our MVP and runner up. So Tom, who do you have as the MVP of this episode? Uh, Bill slash Phil, if that makes any sense. Okay, yeah. I'll give you that. Um, Thad, who do you have as MVP? Joe. Okay. All right. We got a battle. All right, <laughs> Tom, tell me why Bill slash Phil is the MVP of this episode. Um, I believe he's the MVP of this episode because he gets to do the cold open and the outro, which are both really funny bits. Um, he also in the episode is one of the two survivors um he he somehow gets back in from his spacewalk we don't see how but he he manages to find his way even in even though the door is sticking um and uh he gets the soylent green bit and the gazuza stuff and he he is supposed to be in contention for going under for 50 years he doesn't have to do that so and, <laughs> and again he lives so okay yeah. okay all good points. <laughs> okay, Thad, tell me why Joe is the MVP of this episode. Um, it's Joe because Joe has the best storyline. If you take out Joe's storyline, all you really have is a collection of little skits. You know, you have those scenes, but they're really not all that cohesive in a, in a way. Like Dave and Lisa arguing about the, you know, about their their living situation, but like I didn't find that overly funny. But Joe is really good in this episode. He plays it very straight, which I think actually worked really well for him. Uh, but he gets a bunch of good punchlines. He gets pulled out of the, the hypersleep chamber. Um, just him interacting with the core, whether it's Beth or Dave, I think is very, very funny. Him having to come clean at the end in the meeting is very funny. Uh, and then even the way he gives Matthew those final instructions before he gets into the <laughs> chamber. You know, like, I, I thought it was a really strong Joe performance. And in that Joe storyline was really central to the entire episode. You make a good argument. Um, I I also had Joe as my MVP, and I basically basically my point was this episode is really Joe's story, you know, mm. which is basically yeah. the point that you just made. So I'm gonna give this one to Thad, and that completes our abs of fever round. So right now, while I tally up the points, I'm going to give you the Freakzilla report straight from the message boards. All the best and worst reactions to this episode at the time that it aired. This episode of The Hoodoo Factory is being brought to you by the Jimmy James web browser. Whether you have to get down or get to the chopper or do it now, you can rely on the speed of the Jimmy James web browser. So, it may surprise you to know that this episode was not entirely well received when it first aired. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Um, someone who called themselves disappointed in Toronto asked, what the hell was that? <laughs> and called the episode a dumb waste of time that seemed like it was written by Star Wars geeks with no talent. This is a fan. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> this is someone oh, who regularly my. posted on the forums. They posed the question, what would a new viewer think if this were the first news radio episode they ever saw? And I thought that was interesting since we discuss scenes that we'd like to show a new person, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, although I will say I don't think the writers should necessarily be catering to so-called fans who decide to tune in for the very first time on the season three finale. Right. But that's one that's one girl's opinion. So um some people weren't quite so harsh but still had questions someone named jennifer shared an article where one of the writers was quoted as saying paul explained to the cast when we first read this episode that this one was just for us us meaning the writing staff jennifer then went on to wonder why a show that was always under threat of cancellation would film an episode a season finale just for the benefit of the writing staff i mean uh, it's a fair question because probably they're going to get canceled, so why not? Yes, <laughs> yes. This is, this is where I'm reason. going. It's kind, of, it's kind of punk rock, right? Go out mm -hmm. on your own terms. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
Um, some other folks did come to the episode's defense saying that the haters need to lighten up. Not every season finale has to be some huge cliffhanger like Mad About You. I'm not sure what Mad About You tried to pull in 1997, but that's beside the point. (laughs) I didn't go down that rabbit hole. (laughs) You know, like Mad About You. (laughs) Oh, take it easy, Paul Reiser Sam. Um, they said it's okay to just do something funny and weird. And someone named Lee said that they thought it was actually a really gutsy move. And if you are worried about getting canceled, why not go out on your own terms? And, you know, like, like Tom just pointed out, we can kind of see that side too. Um, and if this is the type of thing that you always wanted to do and you think it might be your last chance, why not take a chance and just do it? Right? That's right. So... It does seem like this is an episode that aged well, because when I searched for posts about this episode in the later years, people seem to remember it fondly and enjoyed sharing their favorite lines and jokes from the episode. Um, they also seem to have gained an appreciation for the fact that Paul Sims and the writers would have made such a bold move as to film a surreal episode such as this while under threat of cancellation. So mm. it took some time, but the fans came around. <laughs> Job, I just fans. thought it was really interesting because this is like the first episode I've come come across that people on the forums wow. were not happy about. <laughs> and I was really surprised. <laughs> well, that has been this episode's Freakzilla Report. Right now, going into the second and final round, we have a tie. It is a dead heat. <laughs> Stunning. I bet you didn't see that coming. I, never in a million years would I have possibly no expected that to be possible. <laughs> so, round two, or as we call it, the Marty Party, is going to be our Hoodoo Factory version of a buy or sell game. And as we all know, a good Marty Party does not an absent make, but sometimes it does. So, here we go. So, the game we play in round two is called Is It the Real Deal or the McNeil Perspective? For this game, contestants will get a statement to either buy as the real deal or sell as the McNeil Perspective. The second contestant will have to argue the side not chosen, and everyone will score points by making good points in their answers. So, here's the first statement, and Thad is going to be up first. So, Thad, you have to tell me, is it the real deal or the McNeil Perspective that... In the end, the staff dying was more impactful on the space news cycle than on the overall extinction of the human race. This is the real deal. Okay. All right. Um, this is the real deal because when Bill and Catherine are in the booth, they, they do an ad reading and report actual space news. So as a human race scatters all over the galaxy universe, they either have a lack of broadcasting or... They have Matthew and Bill doing the broadcasting. So no matter how you look at it, it's really going to hurt the space news cycle and the information that gets out around the universe. Okay. Real deal. All right. (laughs) That is bad for the real deal. Okay. Real deal. So Tom, you have to tell me why it's the McNeil perspective. So you have to tell me why it's more impactful on the overall extinction of the human race. Uh, This is the McNeil perspective uh, because it is more impactful on the overall human race. As Beth said earlier, almost everyone is extinct. Dave says plants, pigs are dead, plants dead, uh, people are dead. (laughs) They haven't been around for 100 years. Um, I couldn't care less. Uh, So there is clearly a a big lack of people and and to, to go from eight on the starship to two uh that is that is a problem and 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 as they say they have to rebuild the human race so (laughs) clearly it it is uh more problematic for the human race assuming they can find a book on dna that's right (laughs) and and who can the computer help them because at least is not there so (laughs) (laughs) that's right (laughs) okay good points good points from both of you next statement Tom, is it the real deal or the McNeil perspective that Dave had to thaw Joe out first because of the Space Handyman Union, not for any other reason? Uh, This is the McNeil perspective. Um, 
no one mentions or brings up the Space Handyman Union, so we don't have any proof of their existence. Um, also, we don't have proof of any other human existence at, at the time. I don't know who they're broadcasting this to, but anyway, I, I think it's the McNeil perspective because, uh, although they do, they do mention specialists, so I guess there's somebody else out there, but we don't know that they've unionized. And if you've watched mm-hmm. Battlestar Galactica, it's very tough to unionize when you're under threat of alien invasion. all right good point okay that so you have to tell me why it's the real deal that dave had to thaw joe out first because of the space handyman union um this is the real deal i think it makes the most sense uh you know previous episodes joe's in a union and he's obligated to follow union directives so would a union allow a company to skip over the employee and go directly to a specialist I doubt it. Uh, they mention a specialist. We know there's somebody who is better for the job, so they go to Joe first because otherwise the space teamsters will roll over in their anti-gravity <laughs> graves at the very thought. Dave wanted to avoid a space strike, so we follow protocol. Real deal. Dave's afraid of space Jimmy Hoffa. <laughs> <laughs> who isn't? Jimmy Space Hoffa. <laughs> No one knows what planet he's buried on. (laughs) Is there a Meadowlands on any of these planets? (laughs) Okay. Statement three. Um, This one is to Thad first. So is it the real deal or the McNeil perspective that if Catherine had known they were about to die, she would have let Joe see her naked? Uh, this is the real deal, because <laughs> I think this is the, the funner answer to give. Um, <laughs> okay. I think that if Catherine knew they were going to pass, knowing that Joe was thinking about her when she died would have given her some satisfaction that he saw what he could not have. Mm. All of us went out to bars. Well, not all of us. Some of us went out <laughs> to bars and drank heavily. And we all should know, those who did, that embarrassment comes from seeing the person the next day or seeing them in the future. So if you know you're not going to see them again... Who cares? And anyone who's had a strong attraction to another coworker knows if there's a situation where something could happen, you get a little bit bold. Once you know you're not going to be there again, you get a little bit bold. So I think Catherine would have let Joe take a peek knowing that he would have gone to his death with her on his mind. Real deal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use that as like the... The soundbite sting for this segment from now on. <laughs> it's just really good luck that I've gotten real deal for all three so far. <laughs> okay, Tom. So you've got to tell me why it's the McNeil perspective. Um, so uh, she would not have let Joe see her naked, even if she knew they were about to die. This is the McNeil perspective. Catherine is classy. And as she said before, not a chance in space hell. So she's already deter- she's already laid out the ground rules. There is no chance. There is no way. Doesn't matter. She's she's not letting that happen. McNeil perspective. Okay. All right. Good points. All right. Fourth statement is to Tom first. Is it the real deal or the McNeil perspective that Matthew and Bill do end up repopulating the human race? This is also the McNeil perspective. I'm, I'm going in a pattern. Hopefully, yeah. I get, get I'll go five or five. Uh, but this is the so, so that can keep up with his soundbite. Um, this, is the Mc, this is the McNeil perspective because Matthew and Bill will probably eat each other before they come up with any kind of scientific solution um, to even get like even in some kind of protoplasm that they could begin to rebuild uh, human existence from uh, neither of them have math or science backgrounds they're you know both probably thinly read uh, so yeah I, I i have a good idea that uh, human existence is done at that point <laughs> all right fair point okay thad now you've got to tell me why it's the real what? deal <laughs> real deal There we go. Um, uh, Okay, so this is the real deal because I think it's firmly in line with the spirit of the show that Bill and Matthew's space spinoff 
would have them eventually meet a scientist that could help them, an alien who might breed them, or a space captain of a space pirate ship that would lead them to some sort of cloning. Breeding programs, alien hybrids. Maybe they broadcast a sex SOS on the radio. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the building is a spaceship, so their adventures continue. Like a bad 80s movie, A Quest for Sex. You know, also, if everybody lives in the spaceship, there's got to be more females in there somewhere. So I think they find a way. I, I think inevitably they stumble onto a way to repopulate the human race. Okay, good point. Real deal! <laughs> I'm not going to tell you which way I'm leaning on this one, but I will tell you that I do think that if they were able to repopulate the human race, somehow every human they created would end up having Matthew's intelligence and Bill's bravado. <laughs> and it would just be a big disaster. <laughs> well, I was imagining like if they did clone themselves into like ch children, which one would be would have a daughter and which one would have a son? <laughs> which one is funnier? If Andy Dick has a son or Andy Dick has a daughter and Bill has a son, like you guys don't know about this. But that was kind of when I got the cloning, I was like, hmm. <laughs> okay before we get too far down that rabbit hole final statement and this one is to thad first is it the real deal or the mcneil perspective that bill and Catherine would have reached a deal for who would go to hypersleep before dave and lisa figured out if if and where they were going to move in together i'm going real deal we're on <laughs> real deal <laughs> okay uh, so it's a real deal that Bill and Catherine would have reached a, a deal for who goes to hypersleep before Dave and Lisa figured out if and where they're moving in together. Um, and first of all, when Bill left the booth with the coin still spinning, Catherine takes it. So of course she's going to tell him that she won. <laughs> right away, right? It's just that Bill probably won't take it when we get into it, right? But that's the quick answer. Now, Bill and Catherine on a deadline, at some point, the boss is going to demand an answer. And since we know that Jimmy is either incapable or too smart of making big decisions for his staff, it's going to be up to them to figure it out by that deadline. Now, Dave and Lisa, on the other hand, have been together for 98 years and have been talking, just talking <laughs> about moving together for 30. I think Dave should be more worried about space steward than a space heater. <laughs> well, uh, all right. um, <laughs> I think they would have acted by now if it was going to happen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Tom, tell me why it is the McNeil perspective. Why would Dave and Lisa have figured out their problem first? Uh, it's the McNeil perspective because they were basically at the finish line. They had agreed to move in. It was just a matter of um, where they were going to move in. They had, they'd had the discussions, they had laid out their preliminary arguments, and I think Dave would have caved eventually and moved into Lisa's pod because, you know, that's Dave. Dave, Dave would have gotten dragged around, and it, would, it, would, it was coming. And I think that there was going to be a protracted argument between Catherine and Bill. There had been no uh, movement in either direction uh, to, to come together as to who was going to go under. So. Okay, good arguments. Okay, well, so since those were some excellent arguments from both contestants, I've got some work to do here on the scoring. But before I announce the winner, we're going to have a little general discussion about the cast in this episode. Um, and we're going to go with like top two comments about the cast each. Um, so, uh, Tom, why don't you give me one of your top comments about the cast in this episode? Uh, well, Jimmy and uh, or Stephen Root and Dave Foley again the the miming love that work in, yeah. in in the office that that was one of my that was like my second top scene and um just jimmy like doing the thing with the pen where he, he clicks it and then <laughs> licks it like who do, a who does that but it's just really funny because it's like a very demonstrative thing and uh, you know everything about that scene was really good i i thought so yeah that was really funny i mean it 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 would have been it, it's not very interesting to watch someone just wear vr goggles right, right? right. but yeah. that was what made it interesting mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like letting us imagine what it is they're seeing inside those goggles yeah. you know digital paper <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, with sound effects <laughs> yeah. 
That's actually my number two, actually, though, is that Jimmy does so much physical comedy in this episode that I wanted to call it out. You know, because first he does the extensive mining routine. Um, I know at the end he waves at Matthew. <laughs> Matthew's like, well, bye, honey, or something like that. <laughs> and, and he waves at him. Um, he hands out the books, you know, uh, the, 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 for that joke. So uh, I thought that it was a really physical uh, episode for Jimmy. Like, it seems like he was always kind of moving or, or doing something in the limited scenes that he was in. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, he had a lot of um, physicality about his performance. Yeah, he was my number two. He was my runner-up for MVP. Okay, yeah, I think I think I would have put him in the runner-up spot as well. Um, I just kind of loved how everyone is able to play a different version of their character, but still have it be the same character. You know, like mm, yeah. the the premise of the show has completely changed, but they still have to like play the same attributes of their character. Mm. Um, and it, it kind of goes back to, I think it was on, um, dispatches from Ford awesome where somebody talked, maybe it was when they talked to, um, Paul Sims. Um, and he talked about how like really his idea was just to have these characters playing off each other in a white room, but then he realized nobody's going to let him make that (laughs) show. So he was like, well, what's the blandest backdrop I can have for these characters? I know AM radio, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And so it kind of just speaks to that concept that really the show is about the characters and how they interact with each other. It doesn't really matter where they are, what they're doing. And, the, the personalities of the characters come through. And, and I think you, that's really showcased here in this episode. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, did you have another cast comment? Uh, just that the, well, not as much cast, but it's the way everybody has to play kind of a little skeezy in this one. Um, like <laughs> Jimmy's looking at porn. Uh, <laughs> Joe's asking to see everybody's naked body. Like, you know, it's, and you know, Matthew's <laughs> horny. It's like, what is it, it, a very ramped up sexuality in space? Okay, apparently <laughs> the zero gravity gets you horny. I, I suppose <laughs> they've been stuck on that space station for a long time with very little distraction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that. <laughs> um, Thad, did you have another cast comment you wanted to share? Yeah, mine is actually, again, kind of on the same line. Um, but it's it's this. Vicky Lewis is so hot in this episode, I kept on writing down Vicky Lewis in my notes instead of Beth. And that's the first time that's happened. <laughs> I looked at it, I was like, oh my God. Like, this is, this is, like, usually I, I don't lose the, the character, but, like, I don't know. That outfit worked. <laughs> it's a good outfit. I watched this episode last night with my husband, and after it was over, I was like, what did you think of that episode? And he's like, I like Beth's outfit. <laughs> yes. Yes. Not surprised. Looks like he's getting you a Halloween costume. <laughs> Um, my last comment really is also a Beth comment, but it's, um, that I didn't really understand Beth being jealous of Matthew and the Irene bot. That was the one thing in this episode that I felt was out of place. And it's funny because this episode is so out there, but that was the one thing that I was like, "Mm, I don't know if I buy that. (laughs) Um, I just didn't really get it. It didn't feel authentic, like authentic Beth to me. And she's usually pretty unbothered by other people and what they do. You know, and mm. I just don't get what that was supposed to mean, like that she has some sort of jealousy. Like, is she lonely? I don't think it's supposed to be implying that she's got some sort of feelings for Matthew. No. <laughs> you know, oh, um, maybe maybe she wants a, <laughs> a robot. Maybe that's the problem. I have no idea. Well, I just didn't said, quite get it. <laughs> she does have the line about like with a human. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, about 25 years. Um, so I wonder, how do you think Beth handles PDA in general? Because I would say mm. that's probably what she doesn't like about Matthew. But then obviously being close to somebody, like I could see her being a little bit envious of that. You know, not yeah. jealous, but a little bit of envy. Um, but I, I, like in even a regular setting, how do you think Beth would handle somebody who's got some PDA going on? Because I don't think that she would really love it. Yeah. We see her like bust up. 
um, Dave and Lisa all the time, but that's usually under the premise of like, well, <laughs> Mr. James is coming, you know, but maybe, yeah. maybe it's more of that. Like she just doesn't want to be around that. I don't know. Yeah. If, if you're going to do something like that, you run around the corner in the hall and take care of business <laughs> with the delivery guy. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I could kind of see Beth like being the one who's getting too much PDA in the office. You know, like that is actually a little bit easier to picture. Yeah. Yeah. I could picture that. Maybe that's just what it is. Maybe she just wants to be the one who's in on it. I don't know. It just seemed a little off to me. That's all. Well, I did like I did like her line about being like, look at how they made her. You know, like those things are fake type of. uh, Yeah. Who designed those? I was like, I would be pissed if there was a robot Hawkeye walking around the office. I'd be like, see that? That's not real. Come on. 100% beef. USDA approved. (laughs) Beef's gone. USDA's gone. It's all been gone for 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, now we're going to move on to something on the fly. Um, Thad, what's a scene that you would like to add to this episode? Um, so this is a little bit imprecise, but any scene with Jimmy James saying, take your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty ape. (laughs) I think that would have been just lights out right away. If you can reference Planet of the Apes, such an iconic line. Uh, Maybe he's fighting off an alien. You know, maybe it's you damn dirty alien and switches it up a little bit, but like. If I could see Jimmy say that line, that would have just absolutely made that episode for me. In his business suit. Of course. <laughs> Fighting off space pirates. Get your stinking paws off me. With a phone Ma- book. Macho business ape wrestler. <laughs> I'm like, maybe he would switch it to alien, but like, I don't know. That'd be good. I'd like that. That'd be a good reference. Um, Tom, what's a scene that you would like to add to this episode? Okay, so I want a lab scene montage with with um, the aftermath with uh, Matthew and Bill trying to re- repopulate uh, what's left of the station, um, and then them proceeding to blow up the space station, <laughs> fade to black. <laughs> so in the end, none of it mattered anyway. None of it mattered. <laughs> Bill asked for another soda. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That'd be a good one. Um, I'd like to see the scene of how the reactor core got damaged in the first place. Because apparently this reactor core exists within the movable pillar in the middle of the bullpen. (laughs) Yeah. Right? (laughs) So what I want to see is I want to see the scene where Matthew and his Irene bot are like fooling around. And she starts to fritz out like he said she does. And she just like puts her fist right through the pillar. And uh, Matthew didn't want his bot to be sent off on a like intergalactic junker or something. So he shut her down real quick. Right. And then he just like patched up the pillar. And there were tons of like posters and stickers all over. And I like to think that that's just like covering up the fist hole, you know, (laughs) but he didn't tell anyone because he didn't want to lose his Irene bot. (laughs) That tracks. (laughs) Okay. Thad, did you have another scene? Um, I actually had a similar idea again to Tom, uh, just a little bit opposite in the sense of I want a montage of Bill and Matthew and how they spend their time together. So like instead of being in the lab, what do they do when they're not in the lab? Are they playing checkers? Are they playing chess? Are they meeting space pirates? Like this is just quick cuts of the two of them doing different activities. Um, and, and again, I think you take it a lot of a lot of different directions. So you know whether it's building mad over a chess game or you know them running into an alien or something like that i think it's like a, a snapshot or a quick little montage scene it would be really entertaining 50 years is a lot of time you got to pass that time yeah <laughs> is it just matthew because <laughs> obviously i'd be bill <laughs> all right tom do you have another scene you'd like to add uh, yeah, I, I I don't really have the specifics of it, but I do want to see how does Bill get back into the space station after he's shut out by the window. Um, like, how did that adventure go? Yeah, they just left that hanging. They never really yep. explained it. <laughs> Cut for time, I guess. Or Probably. special effects budget was too much, something like that. <laughs> 
Um, I want to see a scene where Dave and Lisa go visit Dave's space pod in Sector 12 mm. so she can demonstrate to him how big and drafty it is. <laughs> and of course, it's like comically small with them like hunched over inside and barely <laughs> any room to move around. But Lisa just keeps pointing out how she can't even touch both sides at the same time. You know, she puts her arms out and she like lays down on the floor to show how ridiculous it is that she doesn't have to curl up in a fetal position to fit. And Dave promises to get the biggest space heater on the market so that it'll take up more room and ultimately nothing is decided and they just go back to the space station <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> to find out that bill and catherine made a decision exactly lauren real deal <laughs> <laughs> all right well based on the scores from our abs of fever round combined with the scores from our marty party round i'm going to declare Thad, today's ABSA award winner, edging out Tom by one point. <laughs> so, what would you like to tell your adoring fans, Space Thaddeus? I'd like to tell all my space fans that we are the space real deal! <laughs> and we will continue being the space real deal to 2034, or whenever this episode is supposed to take place. So, <laughs> thanks to all my little space maniacs. Uh, supporting me and another victory in the Hoodoo Factory Maniac Space episode. <laughs> you just like to say Maniac. Yeah, I was trying to work Space in there a couple more times. Maniac a couple more times. <laughs> like, I really just got lucky. <laughs> like, <that's it. laughs> I didn't want my fans to know. I just lucked out. Well, we hope you'll join us for more discussion about the episode in Part B. Until then, thank you for visiting the Hoodoo Factory, the source for all your Hoodoo needs. Good night, pumpkin. No chance in space hell. <laughs> Pantyhose. Thank you for visiting the Hoodoo Factory, the source for all your hoodoo needs. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at hoodoo underscore factory. The Hoodoo Factory is part of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. Please stop by our gift shop at grabitgear.com. And remember... The Hoodoo Factory is the supplier of the only known antidote for Absa fever.